from South Bend, Indiana, in the shadows of the Golden Dome, Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports bring you Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values, why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time to get you caught up on all things Irish. Here's John Brock and Angelo DiCarlo. Coming off their biggest win of the season at Syracuse, the Irish football team is set to host its biggest home game of the season as the fourth-ranked undefeated Clemson Tigers are in town for a game under the lights with 5-3 and three Notre Dame. But home is where the Irish have played their worst football this year. Of course, there are losses to Marshall and Stanford, the struggles against Cal and UNLV. Notre Dame has also played its best football against its toughest opponents, so perhaps maybe ND will come to play tonight and spoil the college football playoff dreams for Dabo Sweeney's boys. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Eubank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo, so glad to be with you again this morning on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. Joined, as always, by John Brock. And, John, Notre Dame enters tonight with a, a spring in their step, obviously, after a convincing effort last week on the road at number 20 Syracuse. But Clemson, much different animal. Again, I, I know Syracuse almost beat Clemson two weeks ago, but bottom line, Notre Dame needs to play as well as they did last week and then some to have a chance this evening. Well, I think that close Syracuse game for Clemson should make Notre Dame even more worried. That's because, a good point. You know, they made them realize how much they need to get ready if they're going to be college football playoff ready. And that means they're coming to South Bend hungry to prove themselves despite being 8-0 coming into the game. So it, Notre Dame will have to pick up exactly where they were on offense against Syracuse. They performed well. They're going to need to keep that going. Defense is going to need to keep the momentum. They've been growing throughout the season. But but the bottom of the line is is you, you look at the scores from the Syracuse games. They have the same common opponent for the last game. And Notre Dame's got the bigger differential. Uh, but I don't know that that really that means too much, and that's just going to mean Clemson wants to prove it. And, and Clemson was on the bye last week, so they've had two weeks to stew about their performance that they almost lost to Syracuse, and then two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame, able to watch the Syracuse-Notre Dame game and see, okay, how does this work, how does that work against the opponent you just played and against your upcoming opponent. So that's going to help in a major way as well. On tap on this morning's show, our Focus on Faith interview is with Father Nate Wills, team chaplain of the Notre Dame football team. He takes us through Marcus Freeman's faith journey to becoming Catholic, and Father Nate also helps put to rest the topic of the Irish struggling at home because they have mass before games. Because guess what, John? They have mass before games on Saturdays on the road, too, this year. So it has nothing to do with the Saturday pregame mass. Not that we thought that. <laughs> and most of those listening here on Catholic Radio obviously didn't think that was an issue. But for the few uh, on the Twitterverse that think that was part of the reason they struggle at home, he puts that one to rest. Plus, he actually puts to rest a couple other little things. So it's actually a, a newsy focus on faith with Father Nate Wills coming up next segment. Uh, if Notre Dame is going to have a chance tonight, they need Drew Pine to look uh, like he did against North Carolina BYU. We'll hear from Marcus Freeman and Ty Maurice on Pine's accuracy woes and maybe a, a difference of opinion between the two coaches there. Uh, we will, of course, break down the matchup with Clemson, one that Marcus Freeman calls a heavyweight battle. And Notre Dame finally got some turnovers going last week, how that created momentum for the whole team, and how, of course, they need that again tonight. Let's start with an update on the weather. It is a gloomy Saturday morning in South Bend. It is a windy Saturday coming up. Uh, during the day, tailgating is going to be a mess. 27-mile-per-hour winds. 
Uh, it, the rain is on and off right now. It's not raining here in South Bend, but it's going to stop for a little while. Then it's supposed to rain again at 2 o'clock. Rain is supposed to be out of the forecast by game time. But the winds, just yesterday, they said the winds were going to be down to about 15 or 17 miles per hour by kickoff. They're back up 19, 20 miles per hour. So that that could be a big difference in this game. Well, and people a lot of times, I think, think, oh, the stadium will block a lot of the No, it makes it worse in the stadium because you get swirling coming over the edge of the 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 bowl there and it's it is tough to throw in that environment on top of that the rain may stop but it's a it's a turf playing field and that retains well, wetness for a day and a half I mean that ball hits the ground and it's going to be like it was just rained on so it's still going to be a little bit wet conditions hard to get your your footing as well and then on top of that it's going to be just tough to pass the ball yeah and that's the give me the thing the the passing the football which yeah that's an advantage for Notre Dame because they stink at passing the football. So if you can slow Clemson down, I think if this is becomes both teams are just running the football, that's an advantage for Notre Dame. You're shaking. Your I head. I disagree with you. I'll get I'll get into. I've got a, a lot of thoughts on that. Andre, <laughs> and I know you've got some plans for the show. I'll get into that later. All right, all right. Uh, let's go to our confidence poll because this is always interesting. We've asked the same question every week: How many wins does Notre Dame end up with at the end of the? year look the obvious thing right now is seven wins they lose to Clemson lose to USC beat Navy beat Boston College that's the most obvious thing however suddenly that is not the leading vote getter uh of course before the Syracuse game 78 percent said seven or less wins now we're down to 45 percent seven saying seven or less wins six or less only 10 percent understandable um, I, I'm actually surprised it's as high as 10% because that means you're losing to Navy or Boston College, which would be horrific because those are bottom top yeah. 25 teams right now. Seven wins has 35%. Eight wins has 40%. So now after the win last week over Syracuse, you got people believing that this team can either beat Clemson or USC, which is impressive. And then nine wins is up to 15%, meaning 15% of our uh, our listeners think that Notre Dame's going to win out. I'm kind of surprised by this. I thought it was going to be seven wins in a runaway. Yeah, the, the 9% is really what catches my – or the oh, yeah. nine wins, 17 or 15% on nine wins is what catches my attention because eight wins, I can un- understand maybe you get one of the two upsets, and Notre Dame plays well against good opponents, as, as yeah. we said, but beating Clemson and USC I think is a little bit uh, a little bit out there in my opinion. All right, but I do. I think this is the tougher one of those two. Only because I'm just not sure what USC has done, so it's like hard to evaluate them. So, and by the time you get to the end of the year, things can change. I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame won that game again. And Notre Dame can win tonight, but there's a lot of things that got to happen to go in their favor. Uh, Mike Markley wrote, uh, the Irish have been consistently inconsistent, and two of their last four opponents are in the hunt for the playoffs, taking this one game at a time, but they will probably go two and two from here. That's a logical assumption. Zach Pascal said, I joked with another ND fan, this is good, the other day, I fully expect us to go 7-5 with wins over USC and Clemson and losses to Navy and BC because of the way this season has gone. I, I would almost expect that more than the uh, win out from here on. I mean, I could see both of those happening with equal I, probability. Could you imagine the fan base if Notre Dame beat Clemson and then lost to BC <laughs> and Navy? I mean, it's, I can't even imagine. Uh, by the way, this is the seventh all-time meeting between uh, Notre Dame and, and Clemson. Fourth meeting in five years. Clemson leads 4-2. to two. 
Notre Dame beat Clemson 47-40 in double overtime in 2020 at ND. Clemson rebounded to beat Notre Dame in the ACC title game 34-10. I was going to hold this off for a few minutes, but let's just get right into it. That 2020 game, uh, of course, it was the COVID year. So this is the first time since Clemson's become Clemson that Notre Dame's going to have a full bowl for a Notre Dame-Clemson game. But you were there, John. You were one of the what ten thousand fans there in twenty twenty in the COVID year for that game. It was a loud, it was a loud game and one of the more exciting games probably of your student experience at Notre Dame. Yeah, I think I've said it before, but it's just that was an incredible environment because what is different about it? Yeah, it was only maybe ten thousand people in the stadium, but they were all incredibly invested in the game. That's students, faculty, and staff, people who are around this university all the time. So everyone was on the edge of their seat cheering and, and going crazy, and you're moved around the whole stadium. So it was it was an incredible environment, obviously, as everyone saw on the end during the broadcast from storming the field. But that was a, a, a little bit different of an environment because you had a Notre Dame team ranked number four. Everyone was paying attention, wanting, riding a lot of emotions riding on that game. And, uh, and I think that was what changed it. But what, what's weird to me is it somehow felt like Notre Dame was almost more of an underdog then and discounted then, even though they were ranked number four. And this time, it's a, only a three-and-a-half-point spread for this game. And somehow, that's a little interesting. But it, definitely, that game was different because of the COVID year. But at the same time, somehow felt like a full stadium. And the difference, there were no Clemson fans. And, well, and I'll and tell you what. I was out they, on campus yesterday uh, for a fundraiser for a student group, and – there was a lot of orange walking around and uh, a lot, a lot of uh, Clemson fans mingering around the stadium. This game did not sell out until Thursday, which is stunning. But they, I mean, those ticket prices were high for this game. And Notre Dame not at the level. I think there's going to be a lot of orange in the stands for this game because these Clemson fans did not get to come two years yeah. ago, and their team is ranked you know, fourth in the country and undefeated. I think this is their bucket list game finally. And despite the fact that this is the fourth time in five years these two teams are playing, they haven't been able to come here as a yeah. fan. So I think there's going to be a lot of orange in this game, which will make it totally different than two years ago because more fans, but – you know, there could be 25,000 Clemson fans. Who knows? Maybe the more orange helps the Irish because they do like the away environment. Yeah, and and <laughs> they played well when there was a sea of orange in the stands last week. Yeah, that's true. So, that is true. So, you know, maybe they can get a pick six out of the gate in this one. All right. Uh, but either way, it, it's going to be a, a heavyweight battle, says Marcus Freeman in this one. Uh, a battle in the trenches. Here's Jared Patterson and Marcus Freeman on the matchup where you're going to have to take a couple big punches in this one. They're a really good football team. They're, they're going to make plays uh, Saturday night. And we may be down, um, in, you know, whatever. The guys just got to keep the energy up and just keep our composure. We can't let, you know, them take the momentum away from us or anything like that. We just got to keep ourselves going, and it's a four-quarter football game. We're playing a team that no matter what the score is, they're never out. That's one. Two, they're about what's best for the team. And uh, – that's a tough opponent, and, and they're talented, right? Let's just make sure we say that they're talented as heck. And so, I know we got a battle coming ahead, a, a tall task coming ahead of us. But listen, man, I I want our guys to say you're Notre Dame, right? And that you know what, this is what we do. We play in big games like this. You know, it's not it's not a David versus Goliath. This is a heavyweight fight, and uh, we got a dang good football team. That I've always said it, man. When we do exactly what we're supposed to do, we gotta, we're a good enough football team to, to win every game we play. 
But you know what? We have to do that because we've seen if we don't execute, we don't do our job, we're not going to be victorious. And you've seen that in some of the games we played this year. So um, this isn't, a, as I said, this isn't a David versus Goliath. This is Notre Dame versus Clemson, two powerhouse, two blue blood programs that are going to go battle Saturday night here in Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, I I don't think this is a David versus Goliath. Uh, Clemson is not the same team they were in 2018, you know, during that era when they were winning those national championships. Notre Dame's not as good as they were either, though. That's the that's the difference, right? They're both coming down, but I think the gap is smaller here than it was a few years ago. I mean, Clemson was the was in that elite group. Yeah. Like right now, it's Ohio State, Alabama this year, Tennessee. And probably still Alabama, right? And I'm not yeah. counting them out until, you know, they lose the second game. Yeah. Um, and, and and meanwhile, Clemson's in that next group. They're they're in the playoff right now, but they're kind of like that last team mm-hmm. in, and they're not quite as good. And we people are waiting to see if they 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 falter a little bit. They're just not as good as they were. But Notre Dame's not as good as either, so it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. But I don't think it's David versus Goliath by any means. I don't think it's uh, David versus Goliath. It is obviously, you know, Clemson's got the higher ranked, better performance this year. But the, you see a lot of struggles they've been having. Marcus Freeman said blue blood programs, but they're blue blood programs who've had a lot of struggles this year. And and Clemson, you're even looking against Syracuse. They they benched their starting quarterback. They were having struggles on offense, trying to figure it out. They've had struggles on offense. Notre Dame's had struggles on offense. Both teams are just trying to figure things out, and that's why I think it's a, less of a David Goliath, more of a, a a fight to see who still really is a blue bud program. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. You, DJ Uyangalale made his debut here at Notre Dame Stadium in yes. that COVID game. He was amazing in that game, playing for Trevor Lawrence, who was out. And, and you thought, oh, man, when they come in – 2022 this guy's gonna be a phenomenal yeah. and he's he's not had he didn't have a good season last year and he's struggled a little bit this year I still think you know he's got the potential to be a higher performer than Drew Pine certainly when you when you evaluate the two quarterbacks and that's still a big difference in in that regard but they need him to, Clemson certainly needs him to play like he's capable of as well they they definitely need him to play well he he hasn't played well the last couple of weeks obviously the bye week last week but he did play really well in Notre Dame Stadium, and he came up short, and I think that adds a revenge factor for him. He not only wants to prove himself because he got benched last uh, last game in the fourth quarter, but he also wants to prove himself because he fought as hard as he could and had a fantastic game in 2020 and didn't get the win in Notre Dame Stadium. I think that's going to make him want it more. We heard Marcus Freeman talk about when we play the way we are capable of playing, we can beat anyone, and this gets into the do they play poorly at home? Or is it because they're playing lesser opponents? And and that that has been the same, right? The lesser opponents have come at home. The stronger opponents have come on the road. Tonight's the first time we mix and match, and we kind of get a better idea of things. We get a strong opponent at home. I don't know which one of the two it is. I lean towards this is a team that, that gets up for the big games and has had letdowns in against the lesser opponents, which happens when you're not coach properly and that could be one of the downfalls of a first year rookie head coach that Marcus Freeman has not been able to find the right tone in those lesser games but I think he's in the notes probably the right way this week well I definitely think it's a tone problem it's a mentality problem they aren't preparing and getting in the right headspace going into those smaller games and that's 
what concerns me because I think it's the the opponent that that hurts that, but I also think it's kind of been a momentum thing for the when they get momentum, they kind of get too far ahead of themselves, yeah. and then they 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 falter, and I think that's where their good win against Syracuse last week could be a problem as well because that might give them a little too much confidence. Yeah, uh, let's talk about that. They obviously have to have confidence last week because they ran it down Syracuse's throat. Special teams continues to come up with block punts. Uh, pick six to start the game for Brandon Joseph, plus an additional INT from Maris Leofow when Syracuse rallied. I said at the end of the show, right? I said, I think Notre Dame's going to get their turnovers, and they finally got it, and and what a difference it made in that game. I mean, obviously, pick six to start the game, which now, believe it or not, they've done this twice, which is bizarro world, uh, when they have no turnovers. But here's defensive coordinator and Al Golden, and uh, Maris Leofow on how big it was to finally get some turnovers and build some momentum. Well, I've been saying all year, we have to help our offense by getting you know, takeaways and creating shorter fields or whatever the case may be by, by game. And uh, certainly that helped in this situation, especially uh, Maris, the second one, because they were getting some momentum and that kind of quelled it. It's just a big change of momentum, really. Um, gets everyone going. Uh, Gets everyone's hopes high and um, just gives everyone um, just energy. That's Maris Leofowlin before him. Al Golden talking about turnovers and how that built momentum. Obviously, they just have not been very good in the turnover the game this year. But, John, um, they were last week, and you saw, I mean, the offense played better. Even when they weren't necessarily scoring right away, the offense played better when they felt the energy from that defense. Yeah, it lo- the offense looked like they had more confidence and they had look- their act together. And the defense set the tone right away with that Brandon Joseph interception. And I think something that's really important with Drew Pine that we've seen is that he gets started early. He gets his head in the game early because he starts out slow. That's when he's really been struggling. And I think the defense against Syracuse helped that because they set that tone early, got the score, took a little pressure off of their their quarterback. And I think that's really what helped even through the rest of the game. Irish Sports Saturdays. Thanks, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, for underwriting the show. As the largest Catholic-oriented credit union in America, Notre Dame FCU serves the church in many dioceses. For 80-plus years, they put people over profits. NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. Your ratio of their values might not share in their benefits. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Uh, Look, but they could use a turnover in the red zone because the red zone defense continues to stink. Uh, opponents have scored all 20 times they've reached the red zone. Syracuse was three for three. They scored touchdowns on all three of their trips last week. Notre Dame and Rutgers, the only two schools in the country to have allowed scores in every trip to the red zone. Irish have now given up touchdowns on 17 of 20 trips to the red zone, 85% of the time. Oh, by the way, Clemson has scored 38 of 39 trips to the red zone, but They've only scored 28 of 39 on touchdowns, so maybe there's a wiggle room there. I think this is a huge thing this week. Can you hold Clemson to a couple of field goals in the red zone rather than give up four touchdowns? You, they get in the red zone, you give up four touchdowns, you're not winning this game. They get in the red zone, they score two touchdowns, you hold them to two field goals, or even better, you force a turnover, suddenly you have a chance. I think this is where a couple things come in. I think one... Obviously, Notre Dame's team knows that they're bad in the red zone, too. I think Marcus Freeman's been emphasizing this, and they need to change that 85% of the time. They're going to want to get a stop in the red zone. 
maybe the turnovers that, that they started to get last week will help that. And yes, I think it's they need to force field goals. It's basically whether or not they can get to, to DJ Uyangalile early and get him off his game. Because if they can, they can probably prevent Clemson from getting to the red zone or force them to the field goal. But you get him on his game, them marching down the field, it's going to be tough for Notre Dame in that red zone. Uh, tougher than it has been all season, and they've been struggling all season. And, and let's go to the other side. Notre Dame offense has, has scored touchdowns in 21 of 32 trips, just 66%. And they've scored points, 27 of 32 trips. Clemson's defense, by the way, has only given up 15 touchdowns in 24 trips. So get once you get in the red zone, you might score, but it's hard to score touchdowns. And that's going to be even more difficult for Notre Dame here in this game against a very good Clemson. And that might be even more difficult because they, they got to get the passing game going. Uh, certainly the run game had tremendous success last week. They ran it down Syracuse's throat, as we said. Audric Estime did not fumble, looked dominant. 20 carries, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Logan Diggs, 20 carries, 85 yards versus Syracuse. 28 carries, 130 yards versus UNLV. 17 carries, 93 yards versus BYU. The offensive line's playing its best football of the season right now. The run game is having great success. Well, and you said earlier, you know, maybe taking the passing game out with wind for both teams helps Notre Dame. This is where I'll get into why okay, I disagree. Clemson has the seventh best running defense in the country. Syracuse has the 63rd best. Okay, that's Notre Dame got the running game going last week, but they weren't playing that great of a rushing defense. And we saw the way Clemson ran the ball down Syracuse's throat two weeks ago, too. Yes, and Notre Dame couldn't get the passing game going last weekend still. I mean, they got a couple more guys involved, but they still only had a little over 100 yards passing, and they had a lot of their yards on the ground last week. So Notre Dame's paying, playing a better running team. They have to get the passing game going, especially going into the red zone if they're going to try and score against this this Clemson defense. that will st They're going to stop the run game in the red zone. I guarantee that. So... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough, especially if there's wind and they can't get that passing game going. And Drew Pine was only only completed nine passes yeah. last week. I mean, he just has not been good the last three weeks. He's been a 50% passer the last three weeks after those first starts. So what's happened to his accuracy? Here's Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese. He's got to improve. He's got to improve in, in his accuracy. Um, you know, we got to – but there's a whole bunch more that goes into that, right? Quarterback's got to improve. Um we got to continue to improve our protection. And, and it's not just the offensive line. Protection can be with running backs. Hey, people being in the throwing lane. You know, I'm, I wrote down a couple notes as we were watching film as an offensive staff and just saying, okay, we got to get the running back here to step up or step out, out of his way so the quarterback has a, uh, a lane. to precision of routes, that's so important. Yeah, I love the accuracy conversation. Like, if you look at the game two weeks ago, right, there's probably two throws he missed. Like two true missed throws. You know, you get two balls batted. There's a couple route discipline things there. And then there's two poor decisions that have nothing to do with accuracy, right? So he misses the one ball to Chris and probably misses the one to Zoe a couple weeks ago at home. You know, this past week he was low on a couple throws, which um, we got some footwork things that we want to clean up with. You know, he took himself out of some throws with some drops um, in terms of his, foot, his footwork. Um, so when we look at those physical errors, like I said, like, we're going to look, is it, okay, mentally are we not in the right spot or is it something technically that we can improve on? And mentally he's been pretty sharp. Uh, technically we've got to improve on some drops and footwork things. Um, but, you know, he's out here doing them and, you know, hungry to get better. That felt a whole lot of spin cycle from Tommy Reese, right? I mean, Freeman was like, dude, the guy's got to be accurate. And Tommy's coming up with seven different ways to explain why he's not accurate by saying he is accurate. 
I, I I agree with Marcus Freeman here. He's got to be accurate. <laughs> yeah. I, all I heard, I, I I played quarter obviously in high school, but I played quarterback. And the the thing is, everything affects your accuracy. If how you drop, that's a hundred percent affecting your accuracy. Right. Your decision, your decisions are affecting your accuracy because if you hesitate, I mean, everything Tommy Reese just listed. I don't know what the the poor decisions that weren't related to accuracy <laughs> were, but I have a feeling that they still relate to accuracy. And that's the thing is, if he's dropping bad, his his passes are going to get batted. And that all affects accuracy, and that's all in completions. And, and you can't tell me it's not affecting him mentally. Oh, absolutely. Come on. You could see it on the field. And when he is in the game mentally, he has performed yeah. very well. And I think that's what's going on here. Yeah. I think Tommy's making sure, look, he's like, dude, we need this guy. So we're gonna, I'm going to come up with yeah. – I'm going to say some stuff yeah. so that we can get him mentally in the game because I don't need him finding out that I'm saying – he has, he's got accuracy issues. Although, who knows? We've seen that Tommy Reese is getting on him a little bit, talking him down as worked in the past. True. That might be true, too. <laughs> I mean, look, bottom line, how badly they need Pine to play like he did against BYU in North Carolina. I don't mean he's got to complete 70% of his passes. I mean, he's got to perform like that guy. Well, well, like I said, they got to get passing going. And, and the other thing about, about Pine is... Is he was he really that good at passing before, or was he just finding Michael Mayer? I mean, Michael Mayer has well I mean, over a third of the pass receptions on this team. I think the North Carolina BYU game, he was he was at, he was hitting guys. He was. He I was mean, it would help more, if Lorenzo Styles yes. would show up. It, it's it would help if a couple more guys were were catching balls, but at the same time, it, it's mentally he's not getting his pass drops. He's getting the ball batted. He's not. He doesn't. Doesn't seem like he's looking to the right places either. On I the mean, reads. Braden Lindsay would be a Bolitnikoff uh, award candidate right now if someone could get the ball within nine feet of him. Uh, but that's yeah. that's a story for another day. Maybe maybe finally that was the one prediction I had last week that didn't come true. Maybe today <laughs> they will hit Braden Lindsay for some touchdowns. Coming up, we'll look at the individual players who give who could give the Irish fits today in our game day sprint to kickoff. Up next, my annual conversation with Team Chaplin of the Notre Dame football team, Father Nate Wheels, CSC. He takes us through Marcus Freeman's journey to becoming Catholic, squashes some rumors and myths, and explains how his role as chaplain evolves when games don't go as planned and the Irish come up short. That's next to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. The Golden Rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Irish Sports Saturdays is partially underwritten by Indiana Physical Therapy, serving Indiana's physical therapy needs since 1988. With 21 locations, Indiana Physical Therapy continues as an independent therapist-owned company with a heart towards patient-focused care. Indiana Physical Therapy, where people go to get better. All right, it's time for our Focus on Faith interview. Interview. Father Nate Wills, CSC, is in his fifth season as the Notre Dame football team chaplain. He's the director of blended learning initiatives in the ACE program, the Alliance for Catholic Education. We chat with Father Nate once a year on Focus on Faith for a little state of the program from the chaplain perspective. Before the season, of course, Marcus Freeman became Catholic. Father Nate led Coach Freeman on that journey. We discussed that. We also discussed pregame mass returning to Saturdays and how his role 
changes when the team loses. And Father Nate is always good for a pretty funny video, like recently when he posted a spoof about getting a phone call on the sideline from one Tommy Reese ordering him to do his job. That's where our conversation begins. Here's Focus on Faith with Father Nate Wills. You're always good for one solid, really funny video a year. How did how did this one come about? <laughs> you know, um, thank you. I appreciate it, and thanks for uh, forwarding it to your Twitterverse. Uh, that that it really you're the kingmaker. It apparently makes it go viral if uh, Angelo forwards it. So, no, it was great. I it I had seen videos and stuff, and it was one of those things where I just woke up one morning and sort of like chuckled to myself and thought, yeah, that'd be pretty funny, and. Um, so, and, you know, at one point I, I went, you know, into the sidelines and just asked the the audio guy, I was like, hey, can I can I use this phone for a second? He's like, yeah, we're not doing anything with it. And I'm like, okay. And then I grabbed one of the student managers. I said, here, film this. And I just gave him my phone. And so, yeah, just recorded a little video. Pretty good. Last year you had the, uh, what was last year? Oh, it was the I'm not, a, I'm not Rooting for Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was also stirred by me, right? Because yeah. I put you on the spot too many times over the years about who you're rooting <laughs> for. Uh, you know, Father Nate, it's been an interesting year, and certainly with a new head coach, things change in every aspect. Um, tell us how things maybe changed for you um, in, in terms of uh, your role as a team chaplain with Marcus Freeman coming on board this year. Yeah, I mean, the biggest change for me has really been uh, game day mass, right? We always did mass uh, the day before. Um, some people have been like, oh, you brought, you brought mass back. I'm like, look, we've always done mass. It was just the day before the game rather than uh, the day of the game. And um, so that's been, you know, a, a little bit different for me, like going on the road. Um, before we would we would have mass on Friday, then get on the plane. Uh, we had mass here and usually in the football building. Uh, we'd get on the plane and go. And I was grading papers. I was doing all kinds of stuff before the game. And now I'm like, you know, in the hotel, nervous about my homily, practicing, working on that. So uh, it's it's made game day a little bit more uh, nerve wracking for me. But uh, but that's all right. It, it's it's been wonderful. And to be clear, so you guys are doing pregame mass on Saturdays, home and away. Home and away, yeah. So away games, pack up a mass kit, and we'll do it at the hotel, um, just usually in a kind of a ballroom type of situation. And then and then we get on the bus and go to the stadium. It's the last, literally the last thing we do before we go to the stadium on away games. And I mean, this this last week when we had a noon kick, it was an early mass. It was like 9 a.m. mass. And uh, when we're here, we'll have mass in the Basilica um, back in the Lady Chapel and then march from the Basilica over to the stadium. So for those listening that think uh, pregame mass is the reason the team has struggled at home this year, <laughs> there you go. They've been doing it home and away uh, all season long. You mentioned having it in the Basilica. Mm -hmm. What has that experience been been like? Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, the Basilica of the Sacred Heart is such a treasure of light and art and, um, you know, everywhere you look. I, I, I've told the guys, look, if you don't want to pay attention to my homily, just look around. It's a, you know, it's a whole catechesis there. Just looking around at the at the beautiful uh, stained glass and art um, in that chapel. It's really, it's been fun for me, honestly, to be able to point to different uh, parts of the Basilica. Um, you know, one one week, the patron or the um, the holy medal for the week was St. Luke. And I said, on your way out, look and see the uh, at the stained glass of the evangelist and, and St. Luke in particular, you know, standing over the ox, uh, uh, the, the theme of sacrifice in his, uh, his gospel. So that type of thing, I think, has been really helpful um, to reinforce, um, you know, what 
what I'm preaching about and uh, and some of the beautiful imagery there has just been really great. And it's just a wonderful place to be, right? It's uh, um, There's nothing like the Basilica of the Sacred Heart, but I'm utterly biased on that one. <laughs> yeah. Father Nate Wills, team chaplain for the Notre Dame football team, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Obviously, Marcus Freeman became uh, Catholic just before the season, mm-hmm. and, and you had the privilege of, of helping him prepare for, for that. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was it was an amazing privilege, as you know, RCIA always is. It was my first job as a, a young associate pastor was uh, running RCIA, and um, it's always such a privilege uh, to to introduce people to the beauty of our faith, um, to pose questions to them, to field questions um, from them. And I mean, Coach Freeman was so deep into it. I mean, he he really like I, I so we used. Um, what, what they call the short course uh, catechetical kind of progression that um, Notre Dame's campus ministry uses. And uh, so we did that every week. We read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the UCAT, this, um, you know, which is kind of a youth catechism. So it's just kind of the same way of stating some of these things, but it just in a different, it's the same content stated in a different way, I should say. But it was great. I mean, every week he came to me with a, a list of questions. Every week he had read very deeply and uh, and thoughtfully. It was it was a wonderful privilege, and, and he is an incredibly deep person of faith. Yeah, I think he's really thoughtful, and and it was it was great to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, some people don't understand that his family is all Catholic already, mm-hmm. and so he probably had a pretty good understanding of things going to mass with his wife and kids for for many years. Absolutely, and and he, you know, going back to he was baptized, I think, when he was young, like eleven or twelve years old, and and he has a deep, deep faith in Jesus Christ, and always has. Um, and so that is that's you know the rock, right? That's that's what we. We build on, and and um, that's what binds us all together. And you know, I mean, I think he's been hesitant in many ways uh, to go too deeply into it for obvious reasons, right? Like, I think um, it's hard to, uh, and people like instantly made this connection. They're like, "Oh, well, that must have been part of his contract." And so, it's like, oh, come on, everybody, no, that is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's it's not part of his contract. And you could see if that narrative perpetuates, then that would prevent him from you know, hiring people who aren't Catholic or even recruiting kids who aren't sure. Catholic. That could be a deterrent. So um, it's just not true um, but that, that he had to convert or something. So we're squashing all sorts of things. We're squashing <laughs> the notion of pregame mass hurting home games and, uh, you know, the fact that he was required to become Catholic, which is insane. There's plenty of non-Catholics that, that work at Notre Dame. So Yeah, and you uh, squashed one too, which is this uh, this thing in, in Twitter that used to say, like, you know, undefeated as a Catholic. And as you said, he actually became Catholic before the season, before Ohio State. So, uh, I, I mean, I didn't want to chime in on that one on the Twitterverse <laughs> because I'm like, okay, you can have your fun. But uh, Yeah, he, he, was undefe- he was undefeated for a point since it was announced that he was yeah Catholic. exactly there you go since exactly. the public found out so yeah. um how how about just obviously there's been ups and downs in the season sure um so what's your role in that regard with the team when you have when you see obviously guys are going to be down after these tough tough games how how do you try to help the guys during during a given week when things aren't going the way they expected it's a great question i i, I think really Meeting them where they're at, I think, is really important. Not just saying like, "Yeah, hey, it's no big deal." It's no big because it is a big deal, right? They put all their effort, all the off season, um, so much of their lives is devoted 
to football and they love it. Um, so to say like, oh, it's not a big deal or it's just a game or something like that. I'm like, I don't, I don't buy that. They, you know, it's, it's much more than that to them. So I think it's really to meet them where they are. Um, and to, and to be encouraging as I think all of, uh, our, uh, our staff are, I do think it's, uh, important to remind them that part of, um, the character of the person that you're becoming, um, is what you do in moments of difficulty, right? Like in moments where you're challenged or you don't win. Um, and that reveals a lot about who you are as a person and especially, can you stay grounded in your truest identity as a beloved child of God, right? And I, I feel like that's a bit of my role is to remind them, like, look, no matter what happens to you in, you know, on Saturday or in your entire life, who you are is beloved by Jesus. Who you are is um, a precious soul in God's sight. And and in order to, you know, encourage them to, to live in a manner that uh, is reflective of that great vocation. I feel like the, there is a lot of good not just Catholics, but Christians on this team and uh, of all denominations. Uh, what's the faith of the group like as a whole? Yeah, I mean, different, right? Like it's it's really diverse. Um, and I think that's there's something really beautiful about that. Um, people bring a lot of different faith backgrounds um, to the team. Um, but I would just say overall strong. I mean, from our student athletes all the way up to our, our staff and coaches, um, everybody understands that it's not just about um, becoming a great football player or becoming a brilliant student at Notre Dame. It's about becoming a great human being and, and a faithful disciple of Christ. And finally, Father Nate, how, has, how have you seen Coach Freeman be able to handle the difficult times? He had the greatest honeymoon and greatest offseason ever, right? He won every offseason. And then obviously there were some difficult losses. How did he – how has he handled uh, those difficult things that's – leave you going yeah this this guy knows what he's doing yeah i mean he is uh a man of character a man of hope i don't know i don't think he had the easiest off season with uh you know a bowl game and you know uh, the, well that's the true yeah that was tough i mean and and he's i mean he was a player himself right he realizes what it means to bounce back um and and i think he is a great encourager uh, a person who really does see the best in others um he does not give up and I think he's like like a lot of our, our athletes, um, when you say you can't or when you put adversity in front of him, he'll find a way. He'll punch through that, um, which is just beautiful and, and inspiring to see. And I think the guys on the team see that as well and follow after him because they see the strength of his leadership and his just indomitable spirit. Father Nate, thank you very much. We look forward to whatever video you have in store for us in 2023. <laughs> you got it, Angelo. Thanks. Father Nate Wills, CSC, team chaplain for the Notre Dame football team, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. John, I always think that's a great interview. Once a year, we get to do it. Uh, state of the program from the team chaplain's perspective and a lot of great insights, especially on Marcus Freeman. Yeah, I was about to say that. First of all, I, I did I saw that video when you forwarded it on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and, forwarded uh, it. Uh, yeah, uh, Father <laughs> Nate, you're not that old. Forward it. It's called a quote tweet. And uh, and that was that was a really funny one. Uh, but he, he offered a lot of great insight and I think his perspective on the team, on how you need to, to handle difficulty, was really important this season. Yeah. I think it's yep. having him, maybe having him say mass in that respect with those little tidbits of advice is really good for the team. But also just him talking about Freeman in terms of helping him over the summer on his, his path to the, the Catholic faith and 
how Freeman I, I took out how Freeman comes in with notes and, and questions uh, about the catechesis and and the faith that tells you a little bit about how he handles every aspect of his life and how he prepares and, and on top of that it, how he sees the best in others that last soundbite he said and uh, I think that shows through in the interviews we've seen this year where he's trying to spin everything in the well this is like kind of the potential that these guys have and, and we've talked about that on a show before he, him you know, finding the, the best way to, to say stuff in the interviews, but it definitely shows through the, the character of Marcus Freeman, and, and Nate touched on that for sure. Absolutely. All right, time for a break. Before we take it, we want to let you know that support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tony Letcher of Health Markets, Tony Apertioner at Quintapiece Catholic Church in Mishawaka, and a licensed insurance agent. His services include Medicare, family, or individual health insurance or life insurance. His number is 855-776-2438. His website is tletcher.com. When we return, it's our game day sprint to kickoff. We break down the matchup against number four and undefeated Clemson. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Saturdays on Redeemer Radio and Iowa Catholic Radio. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Support for Irish Sports Saturdays comes from Tire Rack. Tire Rack also underwrites our internship program with students from our two Michiana Catholic High Schools, St. Joseph and Marion. The students receive practical college-level internship experience and class credit as they help out with our broadcasts of high school football and basketball. More tires, great prices. TireRack.com. Angel DiCarlo, John Brock back with you here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Number four, Clemson, 8-0, 6-0 in the ACC at Notre Dame, 5-3. Clemson actually clinches their division in the ACC if Syracuse were to lose to Pitt today. Uh, again, seventh all-time meeting between these two squads, and they played here at Notre Dame Stadium two years ago. Notre Dame winning in double overtime, 47-40, but Clemson then beat Notre Dame in the ACC title game, 34 to 10. That still sounds kind of weird to say. Uh, Clemson, you know, if you look at their schedule, they got a lot of good wins. Wake Forest in double overtime, NC State, Florida State, but a lot of close games, John. Uh, they've played a lot of close games this year uh, in terms of all those opponents. Like they, they double overtime against Wake Forest, NC State by 10, Florida State by 6, Syracuse by 6. It goes back to what we started at the beginning of the show, that they're winning these games, but they're not blowing people out by 30 like they used to it's yeah it's not the Clemson you used to see and that's the note I wrote down you look at all the stats and and everything and they look like a good team but they don't look like the Georgia the Tennessee the the Ohio State that we see this year and and the thing is is they find a way to win and that's really what their biggest advantage this year has been is no matter what the score is going into that fourth quarter they find a way to perform and, and win the game and that's really the biggest advantage that Clemson has Biggest matchup of the day is going to be the Irish offensive line versus the Clemson defensive line. Uh, offensive line obviously playing great as of late, but now facing the best defensive front they'll face all season. Defensive end, Miles Murphy and defensive tackle, Brian Bruzzi are expected to be high first-round picks. Murphy's shown it on the field, five-and-a-half sacks, nine tackles for loss. Bruzzi, uh, numbers don't stand out as much. He's only played in four or five games this year. That's because his uh, sister... Ella uh, passed away in mid-September of cancer, so he he missed a few games. He has played the last couple, did have a sack versus Syracuse. And then 
it's not like it's just those two guys. They they have they are very deep. We talk about Notre Dame's defensive line being deep. I mean, Isaiah Foskey would start at Clemson, but no one else probably would on Notre Dame's yeah. defensive line, just to put it in perspective. Yeah, they have a, a very impressive defensive line, and that's why, I mean, they have a great pass rush. They have a great, as I said earlier, seventh-best running defense in the country. They are great up front, and that's going to cause a lot of problems for Notre Dame because that's where they had started getting momentum going. And if that line gets knocked off their 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 balance a little bit and, and doesn't quite get that momentum they got against Syracuse, that could be really difficult for the Irish. Here's center Jared Patterson and offensive coordinator Ty Maurice on the Clemson defense, especially that front seven. Their defensive line, they're going to expose any little weakness you have because they're so talented. And so it's really emphasizing um, during the week, just working on that weakness you have in practice. So come Saturday, it's corrected and you can play at your best when your best is needed. You know, the talent jumps off the screen. Um, the personnel there obviously is deep and they can rotate guys in. From a schematic standpoint, they do enough that that you have to really prepare for, you gotta be ready for. So you combine a well-coached group that plays hard and has a good culture with extremely talented group and then a scheme that's gonna give you some issues to take away what you do best. You're looking at why they've been a, a perennial top four team in the country every year. Um, we got our hands, you know, worked cut out for us big time. We got our hands full, you know, with that front seven. And, um, you know, I think their back end's really playing at a higher level than, than probably they're getting credit for. Remember early in the year when the Irish running backs were getting drilled right at the line of scrimmage? Yeah. That could happen tonight. Yeah. Now, that that I don't know if they can run the ball on in Clemson. It will be different than the Syracuse game. Syracuse has a small defensive line, and Notre Dame just – towered over them and bullied them you can't bully Clemson's defensive line so I don't know do you think Notre Dame will be able to effectively run the ball tonight uh, that I don't think so and that's what what scares me for this Clemson D is they have a they are really good at stopping the run and where you can find the advantage is the passing game they, they're 87th in passing defense they're not great and I don't know that that Notre Dame's going to be able to take advantage of that as that's Notre Dame's weakest point of their the offense it matches up in a bad way for Notre Dame. Yeah, it's like when you look at the Apple stuff, when you look at the comparisons, it's like, yeah, Notre Dame matches up really well with Syracuse in hindsight. Uh, of course, Syracuse didn't have their quarterback, so that did play a yeah. factor. We should probably yep. note that at 951. Uh, you know, he was there, but in spirit only, it felt like. Um, and then, you know, you, you look at it, but then when you match up Notre Dame and Clemson, you're like, whoa, that's an advantage for Clemson. Mm -hmm. That's an advantage for Clemson, um, and and those are a lot of things. Uh, linebacker Trenton Simpson leads the team in tackles with 50 defense, and the defense averaging about an interception a game for Clemson this year. All right, let's flip the field and go Irish defense versus Clemson offense. We mentioned DJ Uyangale, 150 of 235, 64% completion percentage, 226 yards per Per game, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, also has 89 carries for 350 yards and four touchdowns. You know, the numbers aren't really bad. No. Uh, I think if you're a Notre Dame, you're looking at those numbers and go, yeah, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. And uh, he did get benched for, versus Syracuse for Clade, um, Cade Klublik, but uh, we expect DJ to play today. And as you mentioned earlier, I think you think he's going to be motivated after playing his first ever game start at Notre Dame Stadium in the loss two years ago. Yeah, he struggled a, a little bit against Syracuse, and he got benched. That would make any starting quarterback hungry and, and upset. On top of that, he played fantastic here uh, two years ago in his first start, and he, he probably feels like he should have that one back. I'm sure he's going to get in that stadium later today and, and 
be thinking about what, what could have been before. And so I think he's going to be showing a little bit more what these stats show uh, tonight against Notre Dame. Running back Will Shipley, uh, Notre Dame wanted him bad, didn't get him. They wish probably they could have him tonight just mainly so he wasn't on the Clemson side of the ball. 123 carries, 739 yards, 6 yards per carry, 92 yards per game, 10 touchdowns, 19 catches towards Syracuse. And their main wide receiver is Antonio Williams, 29 catches, 375 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Here's Al Golden on the Clemson offense. You know, they're coming off a of bye week, so you're going to have to match their freshness and their speed. And, um, you know, there's really three running backs. You see mostly, you know, you see mostly ship in 26. You see two of them a lot, but there's three, and there's two quarterbacks. And, and um, obviously, DJ's in there. It's, uh, that's a big man to try to bring down. So uh, he's a great challenge for us. And at any time, that it looks like a run, it can turn into a play action with him back there. So quarterbacks are long, um, offensive line is big, so they give him great protection. They push the ball vertically, and they use the, the width of the field um, to get the ball to their playmakers. So it's a great challenge for us. All right, that's Al Golden on the Clemson offense. All right, John, uh, what do you think happens here? What? Let's start with the keys. What? What does Notre Dame have to do to, to have a chance to win this game? Well, I'll start by saying I, I agree with what Al Golden was saying there. It's Syracuse is not an overwhelming offense, but they do things right, and that's what makes it difficult. I think in terms of defensive side, starting there, they've got to knock DJ Uangale off his game at the start. And he's been struggling, getting his head early, and, and Notre Dame's been getting a lot of sacks. Isaiah Foskey, third in the nation in sacks. He has seven and a half sacks this season. They got to get him in there. They got to get the defensive line pressure and knock that offense off their, their game, keep them out of the red zone, would be ideal for Notre Dame. Which Notre Dame is usually good at. They're pretty good at, exactly. And so if you get Clemson behind the sticks, keep them out of it, that's good. On offense, Drew Pine needs to find a rhythm, and he needs to get the passing game going. That's where they can win the game. That's the the downside to this Clemson team, the, where they struggle the most. And if you can get that passing game going, it, it could be good for the Irish. All right. I, they got to win the turnover battle again. It's not even a question. Like, if, if they're even, I don't see a way Notre Dame wins. Maybe they will, but I just don't see it. I think they got to win the turnover battle. They got to hold Clemson when they get in the red zone to two field goals. Uh, there's got to be multiple possessions in that red zone where they're, you're holding them to field goals. Again, will they be able to do that? They haven't done it against anyone all year, so it's hard to imagine they will. But there's a lot of things they did last week that you didn't think they were going to do. If anyone thought they were going to score 41 points against Syracuse, you're insane. No one thought that. Um, and Pine's got to play. Like I agree with you. Pine's got to play like he did against BYU and UNC. Again, the numbers don't have to be 70% completion percentage, but the performance has to. He has to have that confidence. He's got to have that ability. And that means the guys around him on the outside yeah. have to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lorenzo Styles, they need in a yeah. bad way. Now, will all these things happen? I don't know. Yeah. But this is what's got to happen for them to have a chance. It's yeah. not out of the realm of possibility that any of this stuff happens either. They can make yeah. all that stuff happen. Yeah. But that's the only way they're going to really have a chance, in my opinion. Special teams, by the way, real quick, both sides very good at oh, punting yeah. blocks. Absolutely. Clemson's pump block four while 
Notre Dame is black five. So that could play a factor as well. All right, real quick, your prediction. I think uh, I think Clemson is going to do what they've done all season. They find a way to win at the end, and I think they're going to pull away in the, the, the fourth quarter. It's going to be 27-13, Clemson wins. Wow, Notre Dame only scoring 13 points. I got Clemson 24-20 over Notre Dame. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where Eubank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Zach Smith. For John Brock, I'm Angel DiCarlo. Notre Dame hosting undefeated fourth-ranked Clemson tonight, 7.30 Eastern kickoff. We'll, of course, be back with you next Saturday at 9 a.m. here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame Mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary Our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Spoke Street Media and Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Enjoy today's game. Join Bishop Kevin Rhodes for a new episode of Truth in Charity every Wednesday during the noon hour. Each week, he has a conversation with host Kyle Hyman about scripture, saints, and church news. Listen to episodes anytime by going to spokestreet.com slash askbishop or search for Truth in Charity on any podcast app. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What a way to tip off our high school basketball coverage Friday night as Marion plays host to defending state champion Washington in our Hoosier Spring Girls Basketball Spotlight Game. Join Bob Berger, our high school student interns, and me, Angel DiCarlo, for all the action in this NIC showdown. Watch on Facebook.com slash 95.7 Sports or listen on Redeemer Radio. It's Washington at Marion, the Hoosier Spring Girls Basketball Spotlight Game, Friday around 7.30 p.m. on 95.7 Sports.